Amen. You may be seated. Well, as Paul was sitting there, or just finishing up that song, I was sitting there thinking, man, I was so encouraged by you all, Tri-Cities Church, last week as we gathered. Um, last Sunday was a great Sunday, but also we gathered for our um, picnic and fellowship time after church, and um, and I told you last week about how much I loved the church and um, and really how God showed me how deeply and desperately in need of the church I am. And I just couldn't help but think last week and again today how much I love Tri-Cities Church and what God is doing here. Yeah, I mean, to, to see God give birth to this church and see a community that's learning to love one another and to uh, grow together in faith and relationships that are deepening and people walking closer to the Lord. Um, there's nothing like that in all the world um, that, that can compare to what God does in and through His church um, and I just love seeing that that unfold. Actually, it's a it's a beautiful picture of of God's love unfolding in this earth uh, through the church. We say God's love is extravagant, and we see um, um, in and through the church this extravagant love being unfolded and displayed and shown um, from person to person as the love of God flows through us. And so let me encourage you, Tri-Cities Church, just to continue being that and doing that, to continue letting the love of God flow through you, um, that one another, that one another here, that we can know the extravagant love of God and that those outside of here might come to know face-to-face with God's love uh, through us. Yeah. Well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. Hey, if we haven't met before, I'm, I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, there should be some cards in the seat in front of you. Uh, we'd love, if this is your first time visiting with us, we'd love to have you fill out one of those and just so we can know that, you, that you're here, whatever information you're comfortable uh, filling out. We'd love to be in prayer uh, for you, first-timers or, uh, or, or people who, uh, who are regular, you know that. Uh, you can always write down any kind of prayer requests you have on those cards. But also, um, feel free to uh, feel free to grab me or, or um, my wife Kim is is I'll usually back at the next steps table back there. Um, or grab somebody back there at that table. Uh, is there somebody you want to talk to something about or, or pray through something uh, um, with? Or um, even if there's questions you have about Jesus and faith, um, because like I said, I mean, we grow best in community with one another. That's the way God intended it to happen. God doesn't want us um, trying to figure this thing out all by ourselves, trying to figure out what it looks like to live in faith, walk in faith, and live in obedience to God. He doesn't want us trying to figure that out all by ourselves. Um, so we are a community, and we're trying to um, we're trying as a church, right, as we grow to figure out how we can best grow together. Um, because that, that's, um, that's what God put us here for, right? It's not just so that we can have something to occupy our time uh, in this space on Sunday morning. Um, but it's, it's ultimately so that we might be growing more fully in the love of Jesus Christ, right, and, and becoming more like him and, and, um, and that the world may come to know him. And so we got to take next steps in him. And last week, we finished up our Next Step series. Hey, if you missed last week's message, I believe it's online. Go back and check that one out. I think it's uh, one of the more important messages that, that we'll ever preach at Tri-Cities Church. So if you missed last week's, go back and check that one out. Um, this week, we're beginning a new series. Uh, we're studying through the book of James, uh, which is an, an, an incredible book of the Bible. Um, and so I'm excited about this. I told you last week, I think we're going to be in this in 13 
uh, ish weeks. Uh, uh, I, I can almost guarantee you it will be more than 13, but we're shooting for 13 weeks in the book of James. Um, and so, uh, so this is going to be just, uh, just a, I believe, a phenomenal message. And it's not because I'm standing here and preaching from James, um, but it's because the content that is already there and the joy I have with being able to study it with you and teach it um, to you. And so this is going to be a great series. I just know it from, from the beginning. All right, so let's pray and then we'll get into the message for this morning. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this time and space uh, to meet here. God, we are thankful that there's breath in our lungs and that we're alive. God, we thank you for the life you've placed inside of us, God. And you say in the scriptures that you are the resurrection and the life. And God, I have to believe that's more than just physical life, um, but there's a life that is life abundant, a life that is life genuine, that you want to usher us into um, through the Scriptures, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the power that is seen on the cross. God, that you've accomplished a way forward for us to come into life. And so God, as we open this book of James There's so much there that's for us to learn and grow from. And God, please help us not to see this just as rules and regulations and set patterns. But help us to see this is the way to life. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now, as we begin this book of James... I think that if you if you uh, take the teachings in the book of James and you apply them to your life, right, that your life will change forever, right? If you take the teachings that are in the book of James and apply them to your life, your life will change in a good way uh, forever. James is one of the most practical books in the Bible, right? It, it, in fact, it, I, I don't know, there's no measure of like practicality in a book, um, but, I, but I would probably say that it is the most practical book in the Bible. Like there's sometimes you read a scripture and you're like, I don't see how that has anything to do with my life. Like I, I just flipped the Bible open, First Kings, right? You might read First um, uh, uh, Kings chapter uh, 15, verse 25, where it talks about Nahab's son of Jeroboam came, became king of Israel. I just flipped this open. I don't even know what this is. I became king of Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. You might read that and you're like, that has, um, at least at face value, immediately has nothing to do with my life, my situation, what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with, what it means to follow Christ in my life right now. It's just not obvious there. But James is an extremely practical book, right? And you can flip it open to almost anywhere in the book of James, and you can find something that you can apply to your life right now, today, this very moment. And so it's this, it's this uh, practical book of, of wisdom, right? You think about Proverbs. Everyone knows, um, that, that's familiar with the scriptures, knows that Proverbs is this uh, wisdom book of the Old Testament. Well, some people call James the wisdom book of the New Testament. It's just filled uh, with wise teachings in a slightly different way than Proverbs, right? Because Proverbs just have these, almost like these short sayings um, that, that seem disconnected when you read them at first. But the book of James has almost, uh, it's like extended teaching on what it 
means and what it looks like to have wisdom from God. And so if we take this extremely practical wisdom that we can take out of scripture and apply it to our life right here, right now. Uh, if we, if we do that and we gain wisdom from James, two things change, right? Our actions begin to change, right? The things that we do, the way we live our life. And then our outcomes change, the results that we get and what our lives begin to look like. It begins to, uh, uh shape our lives. You see, wisdom is fundamentally about acting in a way that makes sense. Right? It's, it's fundamentally about acting in a way that makes sense. Now, there's all kinds of sense in our world, right? Um, there's, uh, there's street sense or street smarts, right? It's just, it's knowing how to, how to act and how to carry yourself no matter uh, what environment or neighborhood or even potential danger that you find yourself in. I, I remember when I was a seminary student and I, I didn't have much money. Uh, and, um, I was living kind of like in campus apartments and I, I came across this guy and it was just a strange occurrence. This guy that had this house, um, that was in a bad neighborhood and it was a rental property. He couldn't find anybody that wanted to rent this house. That should have been uh, sign number one to me, right? Um, that he couldn't find anybody to rent, rent it. And then he said, people keep breaking into this house. Uh, homeless people keep breaking into this house and sleeping in it. So they had, uh, somewhere, uh, like shelter, somewhere to live. Um, and so he, he tells me these two things, and he says to me, um, I, I'm just looking for somebody to, to live in this house, right? Free rent. I won't charge a thing. Uh, and here I am. I'm this poor seminary student, and I was excited about that, right? Um, and I'm like, he's just looking for somebody to live in this house for free. Um, and I knew a guy that lived in that neighborhood, and so I, I, I wanted to ask him first because I'm like, okay, this house keeps getting broken into, yada, 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 this side, this thing's going. Um, and so, so I, I asked this guy um, uh, what the neighborhood was like and told him about the house that I was thinking about moving into and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and he goes to me, or says to me, he says, um, he says, yeah, it, it, it seems like a nice house and the neighborhood's okay. He said, but there's one thing you got to learn. You can't walk out of your house smiling and waving at people every day, right? Um, I, you, I felt like this guy was like treating me like Mr. Rogers or something. Like I'm just like, wait, guys. You know? But he was like, if you walk out of your house friendly, right, um, with this smile on your face, waving at people, um, then uh, th- then you're going to get yourself in trouble. They're going to take your kindness for weakness. They're going to break in, steal all your stuff. He said, when you walk out of the house, you got to look mad and mean and tough. Um, if not, people in this neighborhood are going to take advantage of you. And I was like, I don't, I, I'm like, I don't know if you've seen that movie Elf um, with uh, 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 Will Ferrell, where he says, I like smiling. Smiling is my favorite, right? <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, I like smiling. Smiling is my favorite. And I, I turned that down right away. I was like, there's no way, right? But for him, that was street smarts. That was sense on the street. Like that's, that was wisdom for him for how to make it in that neighborhood. You had to carry yourself a particular kind of way. So there's this sense of street smarts. There's common sense. Every time I think about common sense, I hear my dad's voice uh, in the back of my head, right? Every time we do something, he would never say congratulations or good job. He would say, that's what you call using your uh, head for more than a hat rack. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, so basically, you're using your brain, you're using common sense, right? So there's street sense, there's common sense, there's sixth sense, right? This uh, ideal of, of intuition, right? And all of those ways of, of living uh, have at least some sense of 
uh, uh, wisdom to them, right? If you're, you're living in a neighborhood where you're going to get robbed if you smile, um, which I don't know if that was really true or not. Eh, maybe his perception. Um, but so you look mean every day when you walk out of the house. Uh, th- then maybe that has some wisdom to it, right? Um, or maybe this, this idea of doing things in a proper order so that you use your head for more than a hat rack. Maybe that has a sense of wisdom to it. But what the scriptures are trying to get us to see is that the only wisdom uh, that's true and trustworthy is God's sense, right? That the only wisdom that we can put our trust and hope in is God's sense, not common sense, which will fail us, um, not street smarts or street sense, which will fail us, not even our, our sixth sense, right? If you have that sense of intuition about things, right? That, that, that will ultimately fail us. What the scriptures are trying to see is that we can put our full hope and trust in uh, God's sense, which is the wisdom that, that's found in the scriptures, which is the wisdom that's found in the book of James. And what James starts off with in James chapter 1, uh, verse, I'm going to look at verse 5, even though we're only looking really at verse 1 today. But he says this passage is just too good to, uh, to, to the verses that are too good for us to pass up this morning. In verse 5, look at what it says. It says, if any one of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Right? So the scripture is saying, it's not like God is up there with this uh, wisdom that he's trying to keep to himself and hold on to. And it's like, yeah, you got to figure this out. you got to figure this out. It's not like God's playing some game with us. The scripture says, hey, ask God for wisdom, right? And he'll give it to you. Right? Ask God for the right way for you to live your life, for his sense, his logic here in this world. He's going to give it to you. And I love what it says, without finding fault. Right? God is not going to judge you for your lack of knowledge or your lack of knowing the way that you ought to live in this world. Rather, he's going to be, um, uh, as a loving God, he's going to be generous with the wisdom that he has. And he's going to help us find, discover the right way that we ought to live in this world. So it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. I have that underlined in my Bible, believe and not doubt. You might want to underline that in yours. Because here's what happens in this world today. Um, this, this is just just the way we, we go. There's so much knowledge. Um, there's so much information out there. There's so many uh, different uh, ways of making it through life um, that are out there and that are taught and that are accessible and available to us. Uh, the temptation is to have like um, um, a multiple to, to trust in um, many different paths, right? So I got I got my Jesus over here in His way and what He teaches me, um, but I also got um, a little bit of uh, a, of of um, of, of common sense, what I might call common sense over here, um, that, that's just the common way that people go through life uh, in, in a way that's helpful. And there's times that our, our common sense will, uh, will, um, will hinder us from following God. Um, because here's a secret, and it's not a secret. Here's a point. God's way in this world is not always going to line up with what seems logical, what seems common, and what even seems right by our own ability to figure it out. 
God is going to call us and challenge us and encourage us to do some things that feel extremely risky, that are um, sacrificial by their very nature, which goes against kind of our ethos here, right? Um, that, that we're taught to, to grab hold of more and the things that we grab hold of to hold on to, right? And to gain more and to store up more and to have more. But, but God's way is, it, it sometimes seems risky. It, it is sacrificial. Um, and it just doesn't always make logical sense. And so a yes to God isn't always going to line up with that. Um, but what he says, James at least says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So if you're asking God for wisdom about something. You got to go in it with God, if, if whatever way you're leading me, whatever you'd have me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to weigh it and evaluate it on the basis of whether it makes logical sense in my mind. I'm going to say yes to you first, right? So we have to go in with this idea that we're saying yes to God first. And that's what he means when he says, believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And I think this verse isn't up there, verse 8, but it's good. I don't want to pass it by. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Right? Such a person is double-minded and unstable of all they do. The scripture is saying, yeah, we got to believe that God's way is superior, that his wisdom is right for us, and trust in that. We got to trust in God's sense. That's a difficult step to take. Like, I, I, I want to pause here and just, just, let's just, let's just admit that. That's, that's difficult to do. Um, and, and that it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but the Christian life should look like progression towards, right, trusting God more and more, progression towards trusting his way more and more. And in fact, I, I think I'm, I, could, I can even say um, that, that uh, if our life from the outside begins to look like we're taking more risk in the name of the Lord, then that's a good sign that we're progressing to the way that God is calling us to walk. Um, it should look like we're taking more risk in the Lord um, because if we're not doing that, then it's difficult for our lives to point to the power of God, right? So if we're not leaving behind some things that were um, the things that, that, our, that was the foundation of our life, the things that our life rested upon, if we're not leaving behind some of those things, right, um, that, that we found comfort in, right, uh, then, then, yeah, our life doesn't point to um, how big God is. It's only when we're able to let go of some of these things that we find comfort in uh, and that we place our hope in and say yes to God that, um, that yeah, the, the magnitude of God's greatness in and through his church becomes clear. Now, this book of James, the thing that we're going to do for the next 13 weeks is we're going to look at this wisdom that comes from God, this wisdom that calls us to walk in a different life, a uh, different way of life. And what James does is something very unique to the book of James is he uses um, these juxtapositions, right? Fun word, juxtapositions. He uses these words, these juxtapositions uh, to teach us the way of wisdom. What he does is he, uh, juxtaposition is, is taking two things, placing them side by side, uh, kind of with a contrasting 
effect, right? They, they help us to see um, paradoxes and ironies um, and, and difference between two things, but they also help us to draw conclusions. Uh, this morning it hit me that there's this one, um, I would call this a juxtaposition, two things side by side um, that I'll never forget. There was this um, pastor uh, that had this, uh, it was this billboard, but it was this billboard that was, um, um, it's it down in a, um, uh, like Castleberry Hills area. And the, the billboard wasn't one of those tall billboards on the side of the highway, um, but it was a billboard that was about, about this tall, right? And, um, and it had an advertisement for, um, for the church on it. I'll, I'll just say that. It had an advertisement for the church on it. Um, and I'm coming down the road, and there's somebody that had tied a tarp onto the bottom, a homeless person had tied a tarp onto the bottom of that billboard because it was just at this height, um, and, and had placed it on the ground and tied it down on, on the ground. And, and I... And I um, I felt like they have, that, that was a juxtaposition. Those were two things side by side. Um, this, this church, God, faith, um, and homelessness and struggle and hardship kind of existing side by side. Um, and the mission that God has called us to, right? The church to. And seeing those two side by side made me say, it helped me to draw the conclusion that there is work for the church to do always, right? That we never run out of missionary opportunities in this world. And if I would have just seen a homeless person on the side of the street, I might not have come to that conclusion, right? Or if I would have just seen a billboard uh, on the side of that road, I might not have come to that conclusion. But because I saw those two side by side, it helped me to come to the conclusion that God's mission on earth is never uh, reached uh, a point of finality, right? That there's always work for us to do here. And so that's kind of what juxtapositions do. They place two things side by side and they help us to draw conclusions. Now the first juxtaposition in the book of James um, is, is very subtle and you can easily miss it, um, but I believe it's extremely powerful. You see what, what James does, and let me just read verse one, and that's the only verse really that I want to focus in on. James 1 verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, Greetings, right? It, at face value, it almost seems just like an ordinary greeting. Like James is just writing a letter to the church, and he's just simply greeting them. But if you know who James is, it becomes very clear kind of quickly how odd this greeting is, right? Um, because James was the brother of Jesus, right? Um, and so... It, and maybe this is something wrong in me uh, or, or hopefully some of us out here. But if I was writing a letter in biblical times to a church, right, I would start off with uh, Wesley, the brother of Jesus. That's just the way I would begin, right? I would want everybody to know. I would have shirts with his face printed on them, uh, <laughs> tattoos that say Wesley, the brother of Jesus. I would probably have a, um, um, a car tag that says Jesus bro or something, however I can get it in there. Bumper stickers. I mean, everybody would know it, right? That would be something I would be proud of. But James, in his humility, right, he doesn't even mention that, right? But he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we see him juxtaposing two things side by side, right? It's the brother of Jesus, but it's also his servant, Right, So he holds these two things side by side, and he's helping us to see something um, that is essential for us to gain wisdom. Right, He's helping us to gain uh, some sort of knowledge uh, of, of what wisdom is. And, and what he's doing is, 
He's taking uh, common social values, right, um, and placing them side by side with kingdom values. Common social values and placing them side by side with com- uh, kingdom values. See, in our society, there are things that are valued but are ultimately temporary and superficial, right? Things like status, right? Um, your status does not follow you long after the grave, right? It just doesn't, right? And, and, and it can change. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, things can happen, situations can come, and your status can change. Things like wealth, things like beauty, um, these superficial values, accomplishments, degrees, um, things in this world that we place, our society places value upon. James is saying that life in Christ means um, not allowing my identity to rest on those things. Those things are markers of our identity in our society. But what James realizes is that in God's kingdom, those things are not markers of our identity. Rather, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, right, and become a part of the church, um, that our identity is now found in Jesus Christ himself. Look with me in in, in Colossians chapter 3. I want to read this verse for you. I think it um, very clearly uh, teaches us what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ and have our identity in him. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ Right, this is, this is, uh, followers of Jesus Christ, right? People who've put their belief in Him, been baptized into Him. Um, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So it says, set your mind on things above. Now what happens in this world is we set our minds on things that are, that are here, um, that are ultimately temporary and superficial. Like, how can I, how can I look better, right? How can I maximize my status, increase my status? How can I, um, increase my wealth? Ultimately these things are superficial. They run out. They don't follow us beyond the grave. But those are markers of identity in our society. And what James is doing in this book of James, in the book of James, kind of subtly uh, through this juxtaposition is he's holding up this, um, yeah, this status, this marker, common social marker of identity along kingdom values and says, I'm, I'm a servant. Because see, in, in God's kingdom, markers of our identity are found in how, how Christ-like we are, right? How Christ-like we live our lives. And Jesus tells us just what that should look like in Mark chapter 19, or chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, where he talks about us being servants. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, listen to what it says. It says, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be last and servant of all. You see, the kingdom of God, within God's kingdom, values are shifting from the values of this world. And in God's kingdom, what is of value is not our social status or our relationship to people who are famous or our wealth or our beauty or any of these other things that are superficial. But what's of ultimate value is how much our lives begin to look like Jesus Christ himself. So things like grace is of value. Things like compassion is of value. Things like um, um 
uh, being a servant and sacrifice, which we see in Jesus by him paying the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us. Those are things that are of value. Forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, Christ-like virtues, right? Those are of value in God's kingdom. Those are the markers of identity that the scriptures are challenging us to reach out for. And so if a path of wisdom is ever going to be open to us, as we go through this book of James that teaches us wisdom, if this path of wisdom is ever going to be open to us and accessible to us, there's something that we have to do. That's that we must humble ourselves and we must make much of Jesus Christ. Right? We must humble ourselves daily, right? Um, that has to happen every single day. And then we must make much of Jesus Christ. Christ must elevate him because in our society and I was thinking about how ironic this this was and I wasn't going to talk about this so this I say if this goes badly it's because it wasn't prepared well (laughs) let me just put that there Uh, but let me just say it because it's on my mind right now so I want to tell you Um, so yeah I was thinking that just this week how odd it is right um, that our source of pride is rooted in um, our often our ability to gain knowledge, right? So the more we know, uh, the more prideful we, we can become. I, I don't want to put that as an absolute. But the more we know, the more prideful we can uh, become. Forgetting that there's a whole lot out there that we still just do not know, right? Um, so we become prideful because we've gained some knowledge, um, but this knowledge is still limited in comparison to God. And it's just kind of ironic that we become prideful because I've learned something um, and still stand face to face with a God that knows it all. And what the scriptures are challenging us to do is to come face to face with his God who knows it all and let that every day be a source of humility for us and to cause us to humble ourselves before the Lord, right? And not grow prideful, but to continue to reach out for the God who knows it all. You see, there's something powerful when we recognize that Christ is over everything, And that's really the message of the New Testament, that Christ is over every single thing, that he's big enough, that he's bigger than we can imagine, and that his way is right. And that in this world, in this life, we must say, um, there's markers of identity, things like beauty, things like wealth, things like status, relationships to famous people, good jobs, right? There's things like that. And God isn't saying to us, get rid of those things toss them aside, they're worthless. God is saying, I want to use those things. Because here's James, who had a voice with the church, who had a, has a voice with the church today, primarily because he was the brother of Jesus. And so the scriptures aren't saying deny that that exists, right? Deny, you know, d- deny that, that you have these things, these markers of identity uh, in this world that the world values, but that God wants to use those as a tool. So your job, right? God wants to use that as a tool 
for His glory. And every day that we go to work, what, what should be on the forefront of our mind is how can I, here among my coworkers, glorify God today? Right? Our bank accounts, our savings, shouldn't it be just something that we have to pass on so there may be generations of wealth in our family, but ultimately is how can I use what I have so that I might glorify God? These things that I've been given that are ultimately superficial, that run out at the end of life here, right? And that then we won't be able to do anything with them. God wants to use them in the time that we have for his own glory. And we got to figure out how that works and what that looks like in our life. And as we read through the book of James, that's what James is going to be challenging us to do. He's going to be challenging us in different areas and, in fact, almost every area of our life to consider how can I use this area of my life, um, this part of me as a human being, for the glory of God, to point to God's majesty, to God's might in this world. And so I think um, to move forward, we need some ground rules. And these will follow us throughout this series. We need some ground rules for gaining wisdom uh, through the book of James. The first thing we got to see as we get th- go through this book is that, um, that it's possible to gain wisdom in every area of your life. It's possible to gain wisdom in every area of your life. Now, this does not mean uh, going to um, Barnes and Nobles, if those even still exist anymore, or Amazon books or loading self-help books on your Kindle and reading them and trying to figure out how you can help yourself. But go back to James chapter 1. It says God gives wisdom to everyone without finding fault. It's possible to gain wisdom in every area of your life, um, and God will help you do that. Right By his strength, by his might, his power, his ability, he will help you to do that. And so the more we recognize areas of our life that need Um, need God's wisdom that God wants to transform, we begin reaching out to God and asking him for help in that area of life, and it's possible. Uh, One of the things I hear more than anything uh, is that's that's just the way I am, right? That's just the the way I am, right? This mouth will not stop talking and saying the wrong things. That's just just the way I am. I'm just wired that way. Uh, This body desires what it desires. That's just the way I am. Um, God's just going to have, we're basically saying, God, you're going to have to get used to that, <laughs> right? Every other area of my life, I, I'm good there, but this area, you're just going to have to get used to that, God. Scriptures can't apply here, but the scriptures teach us that wisdom is possible in every single area of our lives. And so as we enter this book of James and as we prepare to study through it, um, don't put up boundaries or fences around any area of your life and count God's power out there. But rather go into it and say, saying, I believe wholeheartedly that God is able to transform me here. Right? I've worked on this part of my life and I've given up because I know that by my own strength is not possible. Right? And that's a good thing, right? It's by your own strength, it's not power possible. That's an opportunity for God's glory to be seen. So God is saying, hey, take those fences and boundaries down, the things you've shielded off from me, because I want you to, I want to, you to show my glory in every area of your life. So the first thing um, is that it's possible. Second thing we got to get is that it's a process, right? Um, because, it's, it, you know, this is human nature, right? We try for a while, and then we get tired. And we settle back in with that's just the way it is. 
and the way that it's going to be. But the scriptures challenge us over and over again to keep pushing forward. There's this verse in, in Proverbs um, chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Listen to what it says. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, right? Applying your heart to understanding, turning your ear to wisdom, listening for it, like in the book of James, uh, listening for it and applying your heart to understanding, pursuing it with your heart. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it, uh, search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, right? If you search for it as you search for hidden, hidden treasure, right? Something that is a value that you've lost. If you search for wisdom and, and apply your heart to it in that kind of way, then you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding, right? So God is able to give it to us, but we got to apply our heart to learning it just like you learn anything else, right? It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't come to you overnight, but that you have to spend time um, before the Lord, you have to spend time in the scriptures. You have to be spend time uh, partnering with God so that you use your strength. And where your strength fails, his strength is possible. You know, there's that scripture that says that God um, will bring to completion what he has begun in us. And that has to be the affirmation of our lives, that God's going to complete it. So the first thing we got to see is that it's possible, right? And take down the fences around areas of our life that we don't give access, uh, God access to. Second thing, we got to realize this a process is not going to happen overnight. You got to learn it. You got to apply it. You got to reapply it. You got to reapply it. You got to reapply, right? It's just going to have to happen that way over and over again. And we find ourselves growing in the Lord as we keep pushing forward, even in the midst of failure and shortcoming. Uh, and then we got to realize that God's wisdom is powerful. That it's powerful. God doesn't just want to make a small difference in your life. Right? God wants to make a big difference in your life. And it may look like small steps, but ultimately God wants to bring transformation into your life. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, right? The old has passed away. The new has come. The difference that God wants to make in our life is, is different as night and day. God wants to make a big difference in our lives and often we get to this point where we've taken a couple of steps in the lord and we treat it as though that's enough right because we aren't today what we were yesterday but what the scriptures are saying that god still tomorrow wants you to be something than you were yesterday and that the next day god wants you to be something that you weren't the day before and that the next day god wants you to be something that you weren't the day before and God wants to make a big difference in our lives. And so as we enter this book of James, we got to realize that, yeah, God's not just trying to, to get us slightly on the path or a little bit further off the negative path or destructive path, but he wants us giving ourselves fully to him so that he might make a big difference in our lives that people might see how big our God is. 
I'm excited about this book of James and studying it with you because I believe that God is going to transform our lives and ultimately going to transform our church and that we're going to see that in our community. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you gave us this opportunity to open the book of James, such a powerful book, an encouraging book, and challenging book. But God, I pray that as we read its challenges, that we won't shrink back, that we won't see, um, no, that we will see our inadequacies, and that we will see even more clearly how adequate you are and how enough you are. And so, God, I just pray that we'll get excited today, that we'll get excited today about what you're able to do, that we'll get excited today about how you want to represent yourself through us and through your church. God, that we'll get excited today about you being our God and we being your people. God, I pray that we'll get excited today about the book of James and how you promise that if we apply this wisdom to our lives, that you will change both our actions and our outcomes. And so God, please help us to recognize that it's possible and take down the fences and places that we haven't given you access in our lives and say, God, all of me is yours. All of me is for you. I came from you. You created me. You knew me in my mother's womb. And so God, I'm yours have your way in me, with me. And God, I, I foresee moments of frustration in our lives when we'll say, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've failed and I've failed and I've failed. And you'll say to us, God, I pray I'll complete the work I began in you. Just trust me and keep moving forward. God, help us not to grow frustrated and and weary. But when we do, as humans naturally do, God, I pray that your strength, as it says in Isaiah, will give us wings like eagles. And we'll find a strength that's not of our own, but can only come from you. And God, I look forward to the big difference that your wisdom will make in our lives. in your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, amen.